Hello, everybody. I'm so thrilled to be hosting you today. I'm Marilyn. I'm the CEO and founder of Cosmic Centaurs, and I'm going to be your host for today's keynote and a the whole lot of the Cosmic Conference coming up over the next five weeks. Stick around to hear all about our conference, about leading organizations that deliver and executing on your strategy. Now, the other day we had our in-person opening event uh, where I delivered my keynote. And what was really incredible about that room this year is that although this is the fourth year of us running the conference, I did not know most of the people in that room. And that really came to us as a, such an important milestone of developing our community and, and growing our reach in terms of our content and our work. It also occurred to me, and I did that during the opening event, so I'll, I'll do it again here real quick for you. In case you don't know us, you don't know who Cosmic Centers is, and you're watching this in your LinkedIn feed, just a second to introduce the company, the conference, everything you can expect, after which I promise I will be delivering our keynote on leading organizations that deliver. So quick one, the Cosmic Conference is hosted by the Cosmic Centaurs. We are an organizational consulting company, and we help the leaders that we work with deliver on two promises. The first one, to their customers by helping them deliver on their strategy, and the second, to their employees by building better organizations. Personally, I have a very crazy journey that led me to start this company. I started architecture. I spent 10 years in tech. I did an executive MBA where I realized that some large corporations are broken, became curious to join the corporate world, joined Amar as the chairman, part of the chairman's office, as CMO and then CEO of the Dubai Opera. And then when the lockdown started, I was let go from the opera, which shut down. And after three days on my couch, I decided to start a company helping other leaders who are intentional about how to build great organizations. Um, we've evolved quite a bit. Today, we're a team of seven, four in the UAE, two in Lebanon, one in Cairo. And along the way, we've added two and a half mini centaurs. Um, we've been lucky to work with companies of all sizes, from really small eight people startups all the way to 10,000 global multinationals, um, and to collaborate with people across consulting missions, training, and research. Enough about us. Let's talk about the conference. The conference is our annual flagship event, and this is our fourth edition. In 2020, July 2020 to be exact, we did our first, ed first edition all about the future of work, helping leaders think about what was going to happen in the pandemic. In 2021, we focused about the future of teams. Leaders and managers were still working in hybrid settings for most of them, uh, starting to bring people back into the office, and they needed support in building happy, high-performing teams. And then last year, our theme was all about redesigning the employee experience, three-week conference, incredible speakers, sharing all about how to create holistic, integrated experiences for their teams and employees to contribute their best work. And this year is all about strategy execution. And we have a conference that's going to go over five weeks, and we've partnered with five incredible institutions to support us on this journey. Um, first of all, we got support from my um, alma mater. The INSEAD National Alumni Association of the UAE has supported us in spreading the word about this conference. I'm very grateful for the community support that they've provided. Our first week is all about strategy execution, and we have, I think, a total of four sessions in addition to this one coming up for you. If I were you, I would not miss on the one coming tomorrow with Mihai UNESCO. I'll talk about it in a minute, all about the process of strategy execution. 
In the second week, so that's next week, we've partnered with Astrolabs to talk about scaling. Week three, we've partnered with Upco and um, Gagan McDonald to talk about transformation. Week four, we're going to talk about capability development with Crayon. And week five, about restructuring with Tandem. So do stick around. There are online events every week. There's also one in-person event happening every week. Uh, you can find all of that information on our website. And then one last thing before we kick this off. Someone asked us at a previous event what they could do to support us. You know, we do all of this for free. All of our in-person and online events are freely accessible. We do see it as part of our mission to learn and then to share what we are learning with our community. But someone did sometime in, in our previous event ask me, how can I pay you back? And I had to think about it. And there are two things that you can do for us. The first is that um, about three years ago, we created a fund. And that fund is dedicated to supporting women in Lebanon re-enter the workforce. It's uh, powered by Edseed. Um, and that's one way that you can say thank you. If you find any of our sessions valuable, even if it's a five or a $10 donation, we would find that you know something to be really grateful about. And the other thing is this is our third year running our Future of Teams survey to help understand what makes people engaged at work. So you can donate money or you can donate time. We'd be grateful for either of those things. Um, and the team is going to link both of those in the comments. Um, you don't have to do it right now. You can wait until the end of today's keynote or the end of any of our events. And if you find value in them, that would be great. And another way that you can support us, of course, is... You know, you can like this video if you happen to be watching it. Maybe tag a person who you think might enjoy it. And, um, of course, continue to contribute and participate in our upcoming sessions. All right. And with that, I can begin with my actual keynote. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Um, all right. So, as I told you, I went to INSEAD. And when I joined INSEAD seven years ago, I was 29. I was managing a team of 70 people spread across three continents, building really cool stuff, really cool tech, e-commerce, media companies. And even though I wasn't a founder of the business, I was part of the leadership team. And if you'd asked me where I thought my shortcomings were, I'd have said, A, I don't know what EBITDA means and I feel stupid in every investor meeting. And two, I need to learn how to be a strategic thinker. And actually, when you join INSEAD, you take this 360-degree evaluation. Um, you and maybe a dozen of your colleagues, boss, peers, people who report into you, you complete this assessment and you rate yourself on a number of skills. And on most of these skills, I had a pretty high level of self-awareness, right? I knew more or less how good or bad I was and I rated myself really close to how everybody else rated me, except on one dimension, which was strategic thinking. I gave myself a two, and my colleagues gave me a nine. We're all made to believe that strategy is this big monster that we have to tackle, that the only people who can do that are the smartest people in some boardroom, that they are the only people who are able to develop the strategy. But what I've learned now that I'm a little bit older uh, and that I've seen this happen over and over again in companies is that when we look at the strategy process from end to end, I truly believe that the hard part isn't just figuring out what the strategy needs to be. In fact, for most businesses, if we take real disruptive innovation on the side, strategy is relatively simple. People have a good instinct about it. 
But the hard part is getting dozens or hundreds or thousands of people to accomplish something together, not just deciding where they're headed. You know, if you look at companies, you know, the typical examples, Kodak knew that digital cameras were coming. Nokia knew that the future was in smartphones. In fact, they, if I remember my case study correctly, um, they knew this a full three years before Apple launched their iPhone, that they were working on it. They all had the plan to win, but they all failed to deliver on these plans. And in fact, 90% of companies fail to deliver on their strategy. Now, I want to start by saying that, of course, I know and you know that a strategy that isn't executable, a strategy that cannot be executed, is not a good strategy. In fact, strategy without execution is hallucination. Now, if we look at what the definition of strategy is, you know, taking into account the potential futures and making choices that will position the organization to have the best economic results. Good strategy is also strategy that's looked at the capabilities, the management systems, the behaviors at every level of an organization and clearly laid out the gap between what is and what is needed and begun to figure out how they're going to go from here to there. Now, Suppose that for a minute, you know, we're in a world where things have started moving really fast. We've, we hear a lot about agility, about complexity, about uncertainty. Organizations are more and more required to, you know, operate at speed. The pandemic has obviously, you know, nailed, the, put the nail in the coffin on that one. And so the strategy process isn't always you know, that simple. It doesn't always operate in time in a clean way. But suppose that for a second, we could stabilize the strategy process, stop time, and look at what that strategy process looks like. Now, there's an incredible framework that was developed by Mihai Unesco, who is our guest tomorrow. So you will not want to miss out on this. He is one of the best strategy technicians that I've met, like probably the best. And there are more than 750 people signed up to attend his session tomorrow. So that tells you all you need to know about his community. And he's gone through the hard work of connecting a lot of strategy frameworks and tools into, you know, a meta framework that can make sense. And this is a little bit of what that framework looks like. But tomorrow he will be deep diving into every phase and every step and we will be unpacking it together. So do join us. Um, we'll put the link to that session in the comments as well. Now, if we, you know, simplify this, we have the pre-work, which is, you know, the strategy experimentation where you can test some theories about the product, the audience, the demand. And then you kind of pair that up with the data that you can collect about your environment, the predictions you can make about the future, and you end up making a bunch of strategic choices and coming up with, you know, the, the best option for the organization making sure that you analyze that gap and then go into execution. Now, for those of you who've been to business school or are curious about, uh, you know, strategy in general, you might be familiar with the concept of a blue ocean and a red ocean. And the reason that the first two phases are in red in our drawing is because they are what we call the red ocean of strategy, right? In the sense that when it comes to experimentation and strategy formulation, there is a treasure trove of frameworks and tools to support us from Pestle all the way to platform strategies and everything in the middle. But when it comes to the execution piece, there are very few established frameworks that tell us how to execute strategy successfully. Actually, 
if you type strategy execution into Harvard Business Review, the first page that you'll get, the first page, which is usually not the case, will include BuzzFeed style listicles like five simple rules for strategy execution, which tells you all you need to know about the fact that this is a greenfield. There is not much help coming. And very few academics have actually studied this stuff, partly because it's really hard to study strategy execution. You know, with strategy or strategic choices, you can always study this in retrospect. You know, you can go and look at the the archive, the strategic decisions that were made. In fact, you do need the hindsight of time to see whether it succeeded or not. So you can kind of go back and look at the strategic choice piece and the strategic experimentation piece. But as an academic, to study strategy execution, you really have to spend time with the companies at the right time. And there are a couple of studies and a couple of you know big pieces that we want to talk about today. The first one, of course, is the two academics that have studied the intricate art of strategy execution, and that's Kaplan and Norton. Um, you know, some of you will know them because of their work on the balanced scorecard. Um, that's what they're most famous for, and, and the strategy management office. And these guys, they've delved delved deep into the challenges faced by organization when they go from strategic vision into tangible results. And they've studied thousands and thousands of companies uh, over the years. Now, here is their framework. Oops. Here's, here we go. Here's the framework that comes out of um, their book, The Execution Premium, where they kind of detail the steps of the strategy process. And I think for most of you, this will sound at this point in time like common sense, right? You develop the strategy, you translate it, you align the organization, you plan the operation, you execute the strategy, and then you monitor, evaluate, test, and adapt. And it's kind of a loop, right? Those of you who you know are in Agile or you know, you've seen this across many different places talking about this kind of iterative approach and these steps. Now, underlying this overall process, there are three enablers. The first is to create a good, what I would call a good management system, right? So they call it a strategy management office. Other companies will call it a transformation management office, a project management office, but essentially setting up a team doesn't have to be a sizable one, small ones and even super large organizations suffice. And that team is kind of broadly speaking, responsible for monitoring, data collection, managing the cadence of strategy implementation, the internal comms, and so on and so forth. The second piece, going now from the right to the left, is that technology infrastructure piece, right? So we're in a data-driven world. Collecting and making sense of data in a timely manner is a big part of making sure that we're keeping our eyes on, um, you know, our progress and our ability to execute. Great. And then there's the hard part. There is leading the campaign. And um, there's a couple of videos of Kaplan and Norton kind of at one of their conferences. And although they're kind of more or less able to give you a process or a tool or at least the best practice for everything else on the screen, leading the campaign is the part that, you know, they qualify as a bit of a wild card, right? And that's exactly why we called our conference Leading Organizations That Deliver, because in many ways, I'm not saying any of the rest is easy, by the way, um, but I am saying that that's the one that for which we have the least ability to just engineer this, right? Um, I think a metaphor that I that I like to use to illustrate why leadership is the wild card is this. Now, you might have noticed that our conference is uh, themed around video games. Um, the reason for that is I used to play strategy games when I was younger. I was a red alert 
person. And if you'd want to ask, I was a Soviet player. You know, those of you who played Red Alert might remember it was Soviets versus allies. Uh, but I was definitely using the Tesla coil of the Soviets when I was a kid. But strategy games, video games are really what taught me how to think meaningfully about the strategic choice side, the resource management, the capability is designing your plan and executing on it. But the metaphor that I want to use that kind of separates the video game from the real world is that in a video game, once you've decided what your kind of plan of action is, you give an order, right? You press the button. And depending on, you know, whatever you're running, the army, the villagers, the whatever it is that you're managing, um, they execute that order without question. But in the real world, our army, our individuals, they have opinions, motivations. Sometimes they know better than you do. Um, and they have the capacity to think and act independently. And I really think that that is where the true complexity lies. And so I'm going to take us to another piece of research. Like I said, there isn't you know, an abundance of research on strategy execution, but here's a second one. It's a study conducted with um, 1,000 organizations, 125,000 employees across 50 countries trying to understand what kind of behaviors or what are organizations that are really good at execution, really good at doing. And the results show that there, well, I think there was 17 different dimensions that, I, that they looked over, but the top four are the following. The first is you're really good at delegating decisions at the right level. You know, you allow people to have a scope of control, you empower them and you let them to act, you know, you allow them to act autonomously where, where relevant and necessary for the execution of the strategy. The second piece is you're really good at managing information flow. You're really good at making sure that People have access to the right information and data where they need it. You know, information is power and timely access can make or break that execution piece. The third is aligning intrinsic and extrinsic motivators to make sure that everybody's aligned to the organizational goals and that um, motivated individuals are driving the execution. And the fourth, by the way, they're in this order because they're, um, you know, that's a, that's a desired order because those are the most impactful ones. Of course, the fourth is restructuring the organization to align with the strategy. Now, I'm an architect, so obviously I do believe that form follows function in the sense that I do believe that a, a badly structured organization can lead to difficulty in executing on strategy. But where I you know, tend to sit uncomfortably with how some companies handle this is that oftentimes when companies design you know, their next strategy they jump straight to the restructuring piece and they skip over the hard part or what I think is the hard part. They skip over the delegation, the decision-making flows, the information flows, the motivators. Part of me thinks that they do that because it's easy to put on a slide. You know, a restructuring is like moving a piece on the chessboard. You can see it. You can visualize it. It's a one and done kind of thing. You could just make that decision and go on. But I do believe that the real challenge lies in these intangible things. And that requires the right mindsets. It requires ongoing management, constant attention. And it requires the ability to manage complexity because organizations are complex things, right? Managing strategy requires you to be incredibly good at balance, balancing the present and the future, balancing innovation and control, balancing delegation and measurement, agility and long-term thinking, the current business and the future business. And that's really hard. And it requires a type of leadership that we like to call holistic leadership. 
And again, I'm strong on metaphor, so I'm going to give you a new one. The idea is that holistic leaders understand that an organization is a system. Every part is interconnected and influences the other. It's like managing a network. That's the metaphor we like to use. You know, if you're upgrading a network, you can't just upgrade one antenna and expect the entire network to now function on 5G. You have to figure out how to make all of these upgrades simultaneously. And that requires what we call holistic leadership. Holistic leadership understands that their role isn't just about making the strategic choices, but about figuring out how to have the whole system work together as a cohesive whole and about managing collective performance. They understand that an organization is a combination of people, structure, processes, systems, behaviors, culture, and that managing strategy execution is understanding that system and how changing one elements affect the entire system, but also that the system affects each and every element. We like to contrast this holistic leadership with narrow leadership. Narrow leaders are people who will focus on one particular issue. And of course, it's normal in today's world. We all try to stay within our zone of comfort, our zone of competence. Um, but if we focus on solving one particular issue, thinking it's going to solve the whole problem, thinking it's going to help with you know, managing the change process, because every strategy execution process is a change process, then that is where we find that we fail. We're going to, I'm going to share with you the tale of two companies. I'm not going to name them, but they're both companies that we worked with. And in one, and we don't take these kinds of missions anymore because we know we're going to fail, no matter how hopeful we are in the beginning. Company A brought us in to just look at one aspect of their organizational challenges just on culture and values. And of course, this approach has merit, making sure that people behave in the ways that we want them to. But we did that without ourselves or anybody else looking meaningfully at things like job roles, process improvements, incentives. We didn't really explore how these new behaviors that we wanted people to have were going to be lived out. Essentially, it was like wanting to upgrade one antenna without the rest. And the result, a couple of years down the road, is that nothing remains of this effort except actually values printed on a wall, um, maybe on you know some of the merch that their employees get, but not much else. The behaviors haven't really changed. The organization hasn't changed meaningfully. Company B, on the other hand, took a holistic approach. They understood that the organization is a complex system and that they wanted to work on the different areas simultaneously. We did everything from culture and values, upskilling leadership, redefining job roles, levels of autonomy, optimizing processes. We really worked across the board. It was a comprehensive effort. It left no stone unturned. And as a result, the team thrived and overachieved on their goals. The critical lesson for me here is that many organizations operate like company A, or many leaders operate like company A. They rush to fix the visible problem, but they don't understand and they don't address the underlying complexity. To go back to my chess metaphor, it's like rearranging the chess pieces, but without understanding the dynamics of the game. The result is superficial and doesn't really address the need. Holistic leadership understands and embraces the interconnectedness and the complexity. And it's the kind of leadership that isn't about making isolated move, but about orchestrating and influencing collective behavior and performance. So 
that's not to say we have the answer to everything. And that's why we have a five-week conference coming up. But over the next five weeks, we've invited experts and leaders and academics to come in and allow us to explore the different antennas, the different areas that we have to be focused on when we're in strategy execution, when we're helping our organization deliver. Of course, I invite you to think about where you sit on the spectrum and where your organization sits on the spectrum. But I also invite you to join us on our journey over the next five weeks. Come learn with us, come learn from our guests and become more and more of a holistic leader. Ready player, let's go. Before I go, actually, I'd like to thank all of you, our attendees for joining us today or if you came to our opening event. This video is gonna be available on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on our website. You can always come back and watch it. As always, if you found this session valuable, you can give back. You can donate to our fund or um, you can take our survey. We would be grateful for either of them. In fact, gratitude is big on our list of values. And um, every person who's ever attended or signed up to one of our events, every person who's helped us with an introduction or... Um, you know, a project is in our wall of gratitude. I think this year we added about 150 names to that. So we really feel so grateful for our community. And we really try to make our knowledge publicly available. Our resources, our articles, our worksheets, they're all on our website. You have a newsletter you can subscribe to or follow us on social media to make sure you don't miss out on anything. I see Mihai has been active here in the comments. I actually wanted to close this off by inviting you to join us for our next session, leading the strategy process from experimentation to execution with Mihai UNESCO tomorrow, 11th of October, 5 p.m. UAE time. Thank you again for being with us and we hope to see you there.